Okay, we're learning Daf Tzad. We're starting from the bottom of Paytas uh, Bays. Uh, four lines up. And just to recap what it is that we're learning, we're talking about if a person can uh, be made for a nether before it technically, it technically takes effect. And the scenario is where someone makes a nether based upon a condition. So before the condition is fulfilled, you might have, um, you might have the friction, you might have the Bain of the already present, but technically the nether hasn't been called. Like the example we're learning in the Mishnah is a person said, a wife said, that I'm not going to have any pleasure from my father or father-in-law if... I do an act of service for you. So, referring to the husband. So the question is now, can the husband be made for her before she does anything? Already now, the Bein Olveino is present, but technically the nether hasn't taken effect. So we learned that there was machlekes. Rabbi Nasan said, lo yafer. Rabbi Nasan holds that a wife's nether that has not taken effect cannot be removed by the husband. The Rabbanon disagree. The Rabbanon say, as long as the friction is already there, as long as it's Bein Olveino at this present, at this present moment, then he could be made for it, despite the fact it hasn't taken effect. So we are starting now with a story. A person asserted all the benefit in the world upon himself, meaning he said, I won't get pleasure from any person in the world. And the condition was, he said, this should only go in effect if I get married without learning, without becoming a Torah, you know, a Torah scholar first. It's unclear exactly what he pledged. Did he, did he, did he promise to finish Shas, to know halachas? Okay. Different uh, interpretations here. What exactly was the condition? But it's something to do. He had a certain quota of learning that if he didn't fulfill and he got married before that, then he should become Asra on everybody. So what happened was, so it hadn't taken effect yet, right? Because he hadn't gotten married. But, but what happened was, what so there was a, uh, he ran with his, literally he runs with his stick in his purse, which is a weird expression of saying, you know, he's running like, He's trying as hard as he can. You know, he's running full force. He's trying to do everything. Below, honestly, the Mishnah. He's not able to learn. Like, he simply had some predicaments or challenges, whatever it was, and he, he, couldn't, he couldn't do it. But now he's stuck, and he can't get married. So, in other words, conditions of life hold him back here. He's unable to master the quota that he said was a condition um, for getting married without becoming also and everyone in the world. So now he didn't finish that. If he, now he knows that if he will go get married, his nether will be affected. And he won't be able to have pleasure from anybody. So he's stuck. So he's, he's, he can't do anything. So also, Rahuna comes and he plays a trick on him. And he, he, he forced him, basically, to take a wife. He gave him a good trick. Somehow, somehow he, he tricked him into doing it. How did he trick him? So he showed him, say, maybe he convinced him that, no, really, if you do get married, the nether won't be chal. I don't know. He told him, they told him something which wasn't true. Um, it's not true at all. But, but they tricked him into getting married, which means that the nether took effect. And now he became Osir in his nether, the one who's going to have a benefit from anyone in the world. And then top of Amadala, then sent him a very quick message. He, he, he dirtied his garment. He took some dirt and he put it on him. Just demonstrate, look, right away, you need other people. What are you going to do? You're going to send you to the dry cleaners? You can't get benefit from anybody. So you're not going to be able to even, even, even clean your shirt. And they brought him to Rav Chista. Rav Chista was the, was the basin. So Rav Chista was the person who could be Mater Neder. So what's happening here, basically, is that <coughs> this person was refraining from triggering the Neder by getting, going and getting married. Right? Again, he took the Neder that if he didn't know all the halachos, but whatever, didn't finish Shas before he got married, then he'd be us and everyone in the world. He wasn't able to master it and was refraining from learning because of that. They trick him into getting married. Therefore, the nether goes into effect. Now it goes into effect. He goes and he's matar nether. Again, matar nether is not a farce in Dharma. It's a different concept. You go and you find an opening or, you know, you thought you'll say something like, I thought it was easier to learn. You know, I didn't realize how hard it is to learn or something like that, you know. At any rate, so... <coughs> 
So then he gets it, he becomes hotar. So let's just try to understand what happened here. It comes out that it seems in the story that the Chacham cannot be mocked with the neder before it went into effect. That's the whole story, is that until he would actually marry and the nether would go into effect that he's also and everyone in the world, a chacham can't be moderate. So we actually had to trick him, Rebbe Baruch had to trick him into getting married. Then he can go and get the hatar nadarim, get the hatar chacham. That's what it seems like. So we've been learning about how far is nadarim if a husband can revoke a vow if, it, if, if it's been said but it hasn't gone into effect. That's what we've been discussing. Now we're switching gears to discuss hetar chacham from a from from a tamchacham or a based in can be matter and not there before it went in effect. So Amar Rava, manchacham everyone knows who's so smart to do like this. He loved Rav Achbar, who knows the Gabra Rava must be except for Rav Achbar, who knows a great person. Meaning to say, we see we're able to deduce a very strong point from this story. The Kasava Kichel Pli Rabban Rav Nason Rafar he must hold that the same way we learned in Machlekes. Rabban Rav Nason about whether you could be made for a nadir with that before it takes effect. A nadir with a stipulation that hasn't been triggering the effect can the husband be made for it if right now it's affecting him. So too, they argue by she'ela. She'ela means when you're matter nether by going to a chacham. Could you do this before it's taken effect? So he assumes that the machlokas is the same. Rabbi Nasan will say that the nether can only take effect, has to take effect before it could be taken away, um, before it could become hotter by a chacham as well. So now he wanted to be machmer for Rabbi Nasan, and that's where Rabbi was causing the nether to take effect before it becomes become hotter. Now what's interesting is, even if you say that, but that's only the opinion of Rabbi Nasan. What did we learn yesterday? That the Rabbanon hold you could be made for a nether, and who didn't matter a nether then? Before it goes in effect. So even if you say that Reb Nafsan says the same point by Afar, he says by, by, by Hatar Chacham, but don't we pass him like the Chachamim? So you have to say the Rishonim say that he wanted to be Machmer for the opinion of Reb Nafsan. Like he wanted to do it, you know, the whole Adeus for all views. But the first point, and that's what the Gemara's point is, Rafa's point is, you see that Reb Nafsan's opinion that a husband can only be made for a nether that went in effect, even if it's affecting him before the chalos, the friction's already there, but you cannot be made for the nether until it's already chal. So too, the same premise applies to a tamuchacham who's being matter in nether through a pasach v'charata. You can only do that if the nether already is in effect. However, it says the Gemara, not everyone agrees to that. Rapapi Yama Machlokas Bafar, that the whole Machlokas from Nasan and the Rabbanon is only by Hafara, by a husband. Rab Nasan Savarin Ab Ami Fran Kin Chalanadar. That's where Rab Nasan's opinion is. The husband can only revoke it if it took effect. The Chsiv for Hafra Halavana. We have a pasach. In Yeshaya, Bahafra Alavana. Now, this whole thing is not talking about Nadarim here. We're just, it's a really an illusion, right? Bahafra, Bahafra seem to relate to one another. You know, the hay and the ches can be, uh, can be interchangeable. And Lavana can be like Binyan, something that you build. A nether is something that you build. We've had this euphemism a few times in Nadarim where making a nether is as if you're building a bama. So, Hafra Alavana, we can say, Hafara le nether. It's like, you know, like a, a play on words over here. So, the idea is, that is telling you that the nether can only be removed once it's, and once it's been built. Being built means that it's taken effect. It's not enough that it was said, it has to take effect. Rabbanon's opinion is that the husband can remove the nether even um, before it took effect. It says here in the Pasuk in Eov that someone can be, I believe it's talking about, that someone can be Mayfair, he can revoke the thought of the Arum. An Arum is very like cunning, like, you know, Anachachaya Arum in the story in Parshish Baresh is a cunning, smart person who's trying to, you know, deceive somebody. So, Akalish Baruch can revoke those thoughts. 
So there you see how far out regarding the thought. It's like before it went into effect, already it's already been hofar. So we have, a, we have an illusion from that possible that how far it can take effect on something before that something even was built, before it was taken effect. So that whole dispute is unique to the concept of hafara, of revoking. Avil b'she'ela, when it comes to being, she'ela literally means to ask, right? To request. But she'ela is always the term that's used when you're going to a chacham. You, you, you petition, you ask, you ask for a hetter. That's the concept. You're, you're presenting a, a pasach or a harata to the, to the chacham. So there, there actually, everyone agrees, meaning even the chachamim agree, that you cannot be matter than neder unless it already was chal. lo yachel It says in the pasuk, what's the din of a neder lo yachel devaro? What does that mean? Don't profane your word. But the word yachel, which is chulin to profane, also has a similar shoresh of chal to take effect. Now, what does that mean? We learn from the pasuk lo yachel devaro. The vower cannot profane his words. We learn ha'acherim, other people like a rabbi. The idea is that they could take it away for him. That's actually the very source for Hataras Nadarm. How do we know Hataras Nadarm? The Mishnah Chagiga says it's like, it's like a mountain suspended on a little hair because there's no clear source in the Torah. Right? The whole Pasukim Parshish Matos talk about the Isra of Nadir. Where does it say you can go to a Chacham and remove it? So it's like a mountain suspended on a hair, the Mishnah Chagiga says. But one of the sources is, but since in there, it's with the word chal, we say that to be mother and neder by, by a rabbi or a bastion, it has to be chal, it has to take effect. So according to this, according to our papi, of course, we had to trick this man into, into getting married and, and trip the neder and make it take effect before he could go to a chacham. Because by a chacham being mother, everyone is in agreement that the neder must be chal, even if it's a horrible conditions that, that are now, you know, the person's suffering because of it, like this guy who now feels he can't get married. Uh, because he didn't finish his learning, so now if he gets married, the nether would be chal. Already, you no, know, everyone is going to agree that the, the nether, only once the nether goes into effect, only once he gets married, there's all sorts of derived pleasure from everyone in the world, only then could the chacham take it away. So now the Gemara tries to prove back and forth. Again, what are we trying to prove? We know this machlokas from Nasan and the Rabbah, and by Afara from the husband, if he can revoke a vow with its tzedai before the stipulation triggered the effect of the nether. The question is, do we say that they argue by Afara in the same way like they argue by Afara, they argue by Hetar Chacham? Or perhaps everybody agrees by Hetar Chacham that the Chacham cannot be matter unless it's already taken effect. It says the Gemara let's say that this price supports him to rap happy. It says, someone makes a konam, someone makes a lashon Hetar, <coughs> that he won't derive benefit from so and so. And who, from any person that, that, that I won't derive benefit from any person that I get to be matter in the nether. Meaning, let's think about this guy. This guy, he's really trying to be mechazek, to support his nethers. He's saying, I'm not going to get benefit from so-and-so. And if I go and I'm matter in the nether, like let's say I go to Rabbi so-and-so and I'm matter in the nether, then I can't get any benefit from him. <laughs> so what's he doing? It's supporting and strengthening his nether to get benefit from the person because <coughs> there's like a... Um, there's going to be a, a natural reluctance to get it hotar because if you get it hotar, then you're also in the rabbi's matter. So that's what the guy is saying. So now what's the halacha? He can still get an annulled. There's no reason he can't. But he, he wants to get not only the first point annulled, he wants to get the second point annulled also, right? That's the key. You want to get the, the, the both points gone. So it says in the bride, so it sounds like first you go and you remove the first iser, and then you go and you're matter the second iser. So Pashib Shat, the parent, the parent meaning here of what it is, is that you first matter the first part of the valley. You won't get hot from so-and-so. And then when you get the heter on that, now you're bound by the other thing. So which was, I won't get benefit from whoever 
I would go to be matan the nether from. Once that now is in effect, you get that second point annulled. Because let's just break it down. The first part is unconditional, right? I'm also on so-and-so. And then you add, okay, so very good. That's an effect. You get that hutar. Now, the additional, the second point, whoever I go, if I get it annulled, whoever I get it annulled by, I should become also to. So that nether is not in effect until you get it annulled, right? So you cannot get that second part removed until it's in effect. So it means as follows. First, go and get your nether annulled. That removes the first part. You're not also on so-and-so anymore. Once you did that, now the second part is in effect. Whoever I get annulled by, I become also to. Ah, the second part is in effect. Now you can go to another rabbi and get that removed. That's what the Bryce is saying. So now let's understand. If it's true that the Rabbanon hold, <coughs> that by heter chacham also, you can be mater a nether that hasn't yet taken effect, you buy al you can go and get either one removed first, meaning you should be able to have the second part removed even before the first part, even before your mater the neder legabi, the original person. Again, the guy said, I'm not going to get any pleasure, let's say, from Ruvain. And to be mechazic that, he said, and if I get it hotter by a rabbi, then I'll become also to that rabbi. Even before you're mater the neder to Ruvain, even before you get that part removed, let him stam go to a rabbi and get the, the second part removed. Get the part that if I'm mater neder on Ruvain, I'll become also to that rabbi. Get that removed. Must be. You know why you can't do that? Because you can't be mater neder. It's not, it hasn't yet taken effect. Everybody agrees to that. Says the Gemara, that's not a proof. How do you know which one is called the first and which one is called the second? Meaning the Bryce doesn't say which one is first and second. We shouldn't necessarily assume it's the order of the way the Nether said it. It could just be the, the, the way in which it's annulled. In other words, you can have either one annulled first. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't make a difference which one has taken effect. So the Bryce is not clearly coming to make the point that we, wanted, we thought it was saying. We thought it was saying that it's very important in the sequence that you're not mater the second part until after you're mater the first part, because until you're mater the first part, then the second part didn't go in effect. Now we're answering, no, 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 the Bryce was just saying, you get both parts removed. Does it make a difference what the sequence is? No, it doesn't. So we're still looking for a proof. Says the Gemara, now we try a different source for a poppy. The Bryce says, someone says, I'm not going to get Konem, I'm not going to benefit from so-and-so. And I'll be a Nazir if I mater, nether, if I mater that nether. So this is a different... Um, in a vision, right? What's he saying? He's saying, I'm Asr on Ruben, right? And if I get that Nether Hutar, he makes a condition that what? Then I'll be good enough. So, so what's the halacha? So you have to be careful, because if you go in your mouth with a Nether, then what's going to happen? You're an Asr. So eat Nishal, 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 or this is what you do. First you go Mazer the Nether. Now that makes him a Nazir. Now that he's a Nazir, what happens? You're Mazer Nether on the Nazirs. Again, Nazirs is a Nether, you can be Mazer. But it sounds like very important. What do you do? You can't be mater nether on the zeros before you're mater nether on the, on the, on the Israel Hanalta Ruven. Because until, you, until you're mater the Israel Hanalta Ruven, he's not a nether. So you see that, well, that a nether is, cannot become hotar until it goes into effect. So you have an Israel Vishalacha nether. If you say someone could go to the Chacham and be mater nether before it took effect, you buy a Nizirah Let him be mater the nether first or the Nizirah first. And here we can't mess around and say the order is not important because it says the nether and the nazirus. It clearly says, go be mater your nether first and then go be mater your nazirus. It's explicit that the order is nether the nazirus. You can't be mater the nazirus first. What's pshat? Pshat is it didn't take effect. It says the Gemara is not a proof of Nasan. It could be that that price was taught by Reb Nasan, not the Rabbanan. Meaning, again, our question is what the Rabbanan holds. Rab Nasan, who holds by Hafarah, that the husband can only revoke that which has taken effect, we know he says the same thing by Hatter. Our question is, what do the Chachamim hold? Do the Chachamim maintain their same position of Hafarah? They maintain by Hatter Chacham as well, that Chacham could be Matter before Hafarah, before it took effect. 
or perhaps by Hetzer Chacham, the Rabbanan agree that it needs to take effect. So you don't have a proof in the price, so the price might just be going like the singular view of Rav Nassim. So now the Gemara gives a different version of what Rav Papi said. Amr Ravina, Amr Limarim, Marimar told me, Achamar Rav Papi, Rav Papi, this is what your father said, Rav Papi, Machlok is Bafara. The whole Machlok, Rav Nassim, Rav Papi, was only Bafara. But B'Shele, when it comes to asking a Chacham, Divrei Hakol, Mefer Avabishalochal another, just the inverse. And by, by Heter Chacham, everyone agrees you don't need it to be in effect. Meaning even Rav Nassim agrees that the Chacham can be matter before it went in effect. What's the source to say that? In other words, why would Rav Nassim be more lenient on Heter Chacham? What's the language of the Pasuk? Don't be mechal. Don't profane his word. What does it mean, his word? The word, the Lashon of Devaro is masma lememed labamaisa. Even before it had a ramification. Even before... <coughs> and there was a chalais on neder, it could, all, it could already become hotar. So if you notice what's going on here, in the second version, we're saying even Rapapa agrees that there could be hetar chacham before the neder was chal. So originally, the dispute was whether or not the machlokas is the same, or even the rabbanon agree the neder has to be chal. Now we're coming out the machlokas. There might be a tzad that even Rav Nassim agrees, by hafara, that the chachamim, I'm sorry, even the, the, the Chacham could be matter before it took effect. So on this version of Rapapi, we ask from the bride. So it's May's favorite Kash from the bride. So, someone says, Konim, I won't have benefit from so. So, Ulamisha, love, and from whoever I go to be matter the Nether from. Meaning, he's saying, as we looked at this bride just a little bit ago, he's saying, I'm officer from Ruvain, and if I get that Nether Hutter, I'm also on the rabbi that I was matter. So, Nishal, Abishamak, Nishal, Shani, first you go and you're matter the first sister, and then the second sister. <coughs> so Pashup Shad is the first Isser is the Nedir from Ruvin. The second Isser is the Nedir from the Rabbi who was Matur. So am I, why does it have to go in that order? Let him go, whichever one first. Must be, no, you can't get the Nedir from the Rabbi removed until it went in effect. Says the Gemara, the same deflection of Yudai Harish and Hashin. It didn't say which one was first and which one was second. It just says one and two. You don't know that one was, is the one that was said first and two is the one that was said second. May's face, will we bring the other price? Someone said, I'm not going to get benefit from so and so. And he says, a conditional nether that I will be on Nazir when I am matter, um, <coughs> when I go to a chachon to be matter the nether. So what's the halacha? Nishal al nidro. First you go to a chachon to be matter the nether, and then you go to a chachon to be matter the nazirs. It goes in that order. So the kasha is, and here it's very clear, neder the nazir. Vamai, why does it have to be done that way? It must be because he's not yet a nazir. The nazir's nether doesn't go in effect until he's matzah the nether of the first thing. Why don't we say he could ask the chacham first for, for that one or for the nazir's first? Must be, since it hasn't gone in effect, you can't do it. It's the gemarati of this side of Rapapi. Everyone agrees that you can be matter and nether before it went into effect, we're stuck from this price. In the first version, we were, where, where we were maintaining that there was at least a machlokas tainam about it, we could get out of the proof of the price by saying it's going like Reb Nassim. But in this version, where Reb Papi was trying to say, everyone agrees you can be matter and nether before it goes into effect, clearly there's a refutation from the price. It's explicit here that you cannot be matter for the Niziras before it goes into effect. So in conclusion, we have a machlokas yesterday between Rav and Rabbanon, if you can be made for a nether before it goes in effect. The question today is, how does that apply to a heter chacham? We've had different stadim. The simplest stadim is it's the same dispute. But we have two other versions of what the possibility is. One version is that everyone agrees it cannot become hotter until it goes in effect. Even the Rabbanon agree. And the other way of saying it is that no, just the opposite. Even Rav agrees that you could be made for it before it goes in effect. Okay.
Last Mishnah here. Very Yisraelistic Mishnah. Very Gishmak Asuki here. <coughs> it's really not, not, not directly related, but one of the cases is about another, so we mention it. It says the Mishnah, Barishono, you Oimrim. This was a switch in the halacha. Originally, they used to say, There are three wives that if they say something, then they must be divorced and they still collect the ksuba. So a little bit of background here is that normally the ksuba is not paid to a woman if she terminates the marriage. What does that mean, she terminates the marriage, right? Divorce is up to the husband, not by Torah. But the idea is that if the woman does something which undermines the relationship, ruins the relationship and forces divorce, so then she doesn't deserve a ksuba. One of the classic examples of that is that if a woman is mazan, if a woman is an adulteress, and therefore the husband cannot be with her anymore, right? That's the halacha. If she commits adultery willingly, then what's the din? The husband's also to her. If, she does, if she's raped, then it depends. And Aisha's Cohen, she's, um, she's also to, but the wife of Israel, she's mother to. But if you would be in a willing adulteress, the halacha would be that she must be divorced and she wouldn't get a ksuba. Like that would be the, that would be the halacha. So let's say witnesses would come and testify that she committed adultery. She'd be divorced without a ksuba. That would be like a simple thing. So in our Mishnah, it gets very complicated because she's forcing the divorce and she still gets a ksuba. How, what does that mean? How do we have these cases? She tells her husband, I am tummy to you. So what is the case? The case is where she basically admits that she had be with another man as a married woman and therefore was Osir. But the Gemara is going to explain <clears throat> that we're talking about an Aishas Kohen who's Osir through rape. She's admitting she was raped as a married woman, which makes her Osir to her husband. Her husband has to divorce her. But since she did nothing wrong, right, she was raped, it was against her will, therefore she's still entitled to Iksuba. In other words, an Aishas Kohen Shenensa becomes Osir to her husband. However, <clears throat> she still deserves Iksuba. She didn't do anything. It's not her fault. So it's very interesting how that halacha works that way. Even though she didn't do anything of her own fault, she still ushered to her husband and the relationship has to end. That's the tragedy of an Aishas Kohen Shenensa. But <coughs> relative to the dinner of the Ksuba, since it wasn't her fault, so she still, deserved the, the, she still deserves the Ksuba. So here, what's tricky about this is that the woman is opening her own mouth and she's saying it happened to me, but we have no proof that it happened. So according to the original law, the husband is required to divorce her even though she doesn't substantiate her claim. Right? She doesn't back it up. She didn't say anything. So why, do we have, why does he have to believe her? So the idea, and this is based upon the Gemara, right? normally the Torah says you need witnesses for Dabr Shabbat So it doesn't have witnesses, just her mouth. How do we know? Right? How do we know? Why is the husband required to divorce her? So it's basically the simple shot here is that there's an umdana, there's an assumption that it's absolutely degrading to open your mouth and say that happened to you. So the woman wouldn't do that unless it was true that she was also to her husband and she had to avoid the isra of being with her, of being with him. And that's the, you know, that's the, that's, that's the Pashup Shad over here. Okay, that's the, is <coughs> that what was going on? The woman would say it, it was an assumption she was telling the truth because who would open their mouth and say that if it wasn't true? Now, the question is, um, and again, but he, she still gets the ksuba because why not? She was saying she was raped. She didn't, it wasn't her fault. Another case, Shemaim bin Evencha. She says, Shemaim is between me and you. So this is a euphemism, <clears throat> which is a way of saying that my husband cannot impregnate me. The point is that she, he's, she's saying, from having Bia with you, I know that there's something wrong with you and that you're incapable of, pregnant, of impregnating me. So this idea is that she can say, I want to have children. I want to make sure someone's going to provide for me when I'm old. 
And uh, the Gemara is going to talk all about this, but originally the woman is believed. Again, she's believed, even though because of this, she gets out of it, she gets the divorce, and she gets the ksuba, even though she, there's nothing to, 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 to prove that her claim is right. But it's the same thing. She's not going to publicize it. This is private, embarrassing things to speak about. Even though it's not about her, the opposite is about her husband. It's an accusation against her husband's impotence. But we would assume she wouldn't bring it up publicly unless there was <coughs> truth to what she was saying. And then the third case, and this is the reason we're learning this, she makes an eder that she can't have bia, that I'm removed from all Jews, meaning that I'm an eder, I'm not going to have the pleasure of bia. So she does this. The idea is, the husband, you would say, let him just be made for the eder, right? There's no problem. The eder doesn't pose any problem. He'll just be made for it. Continue to have bia with her. The answer is, is that in this scenario, what we really assume is happening is that she has tremendous pain from having Bia. Why else would somebody make such an actor that they're never going to experience the pleasure of Bia? Must be, she's suffering from something, she has a physical issue, and she's always going to have pain, and therefore, <clears throat> we say that she can't really be in a, um, in a, in a in an intimate relationship, so she should be divorced. It's not fair. But, she deserves Aksuba because it's had no fault of her own. It's not like she did anything wrong. So that was the original halacha, that a woman who opens her mouth and makes one of these three claims should be divorced and still gets her ksuba. But then they said, look what happens. Here could be a woman who wants to get out of a bad relationship and we don't want her to set her eyes on another man just to go ahead, lie about this, get her husband to divorce her and move on to somebody else. Maybe that's, she'll make it up because now that the Allah is, she's believed and because we say there's an assumption she's telling the truth and that's how she gets out. Boom, that's her golden ticket. Just say such a thing, even though it's not true. You know, she doesn't really experience pain or whatever it is, but she'll say it and then she'll move on. <clears throat> so now the Allah changed. <clears throat> the Allah is now, we do not believe her. Omer's off, a wife who says to her husband, I am Tommy to you, Tommy Riley to she, she has to bring a proof to what she's saying. She doesn't bring a proof to what she's saying. Only then is a the husband required to divorce her. Otherwise, she's mutter, um, she's mutter to her husband. Now, what's very interesting about this is that, yes, it's true, we're nervous she's lying. But at the end of the day, how, how could we just dismiss her claim? If she's really Naman, how do we dismiss her claim? How does that work? So the Ran says that sometimes the Rabbanan have a koach to uproot Torah law, right? Sometimes there's an idea that that, that in really extenuating circumstances, even though it's breaking the law, like here it's Kumba Asay, she's going to have go and have Bia with her husband, even though, according to her own word, she's forbidden. She's an Asia's going to She's also an adulteress, can't be with her husband. But it was such extenuating circumstances, this breakdown in society, that women were just lying to get out of the relationships that we have to believe, we have to dismiss her claim. And therefore the Rabbanon allow her to violate the possibility that she might be doing the wrong thing and remain, allow her to remain with her husband for the greater good of society. She tells her husband that Shemaim is between me and you. Again, she's claiming her husband is impotent. Then we say, that, you know, we should, they should go out to dinner. They should, they should try to get back to one another. In other words, the idea is that they should, they, they, we should try to bring them closer because we think that she's lying and she just wants to get out of the relationship. And if she says, I'm removed from the Jews, meaning to say that, well, I, I'm denying the pleasure of be on me. I'm making the nether, it's all us, the husband should just revoke as part of the nether, and she should have beer with him. In other words, the point is that we don't assume that she really has pain, which is denying her. We assume that she was just lying. But the vow will still remain to other Jews. We only assume she's lying, clape her husband. Now, what's very interesting about all this is that there's a Muslim that if the husband says, I know my wife is telling the truth, and he, he's able to believe her, so then there's another principle at play, which is which is that he... When you believe it, 
you, you, if you say something is also to you, then it's also to you. So this whole Mishnah in the application that we don't believe her and therefore she's permitted to her husband, so on and so forth, has to be where the husband's not really, not really too trust. But now that question, though, brings up a different issue. Why is there no Shavi Anafshir for the woman? Meaning to say, when she said that, you know, a Tamea or something like that, that I was raped, is there a Shavi Anafshir from her, from her angle? That's an interesting point. It seems that the switch was originally was an assumption she was telling the truth because she wouldn't open her mouth and say that unless it was true. And then we say, no, maybe it's not true, and therefore she's not believed. What about the principle of Shavi Nafshir Khatikha In her own words, she's in, she was, she was Ace Conscious She should be to her husband. Is that, is that the part of the reason why she was originally believed? And is that overridden? Is there Shavi Nafshir in such a thing? Very interesting, Lumdus with this about the Yisurim of Aisha's Conscience, but Al-Kopanim, the Ran seems to just go that the, 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 she was originally believed because it was an assumption she was telling the truth, or the truth. she wouldn't have opened her, opened her mouth, opened up her mouth and say it unless it was true. And then we're falling off of that and we're saying, actually, maybe she was trying to get out of the relationship, that was the whole thing, and maybe really she shouldn't be believed. All right, so now we want to know how far did the Rabbanan go? Amr the Bailat Mani, a Cohen's wife, tells her husband, I'm Asr to you, right? That became raped. I'm Asher's Cohen Shenensa. So what are we saying? We said that originally we believed her. She was divorced and she got Serksuva. Now we say we don't believe her because we, we, we think she's just trying to get out of the relationship. So if we're not believing her, could she go on and eat Truma? Normally the wife of a Cohen has a special privilege that she can eat Truma. So the Shaila is, to what extent do we say that she's lying? Do we, is it only to the extent that, you know, she's still married and that she has Bia with her husband? Or is it even go further that she has the privileges of the marriage? Maybe we should say, Kloppy eating Truma. Maybe we should be scared that she's telling the truth and she lost her right to eat the Truma. So the, the, the Gemara says, because again, we're not sure if she's telling the truth. That's the point. If she is telling the truth, she can't eat Truma. It's going to she wouldn't be allowed to eat Truma as well. But we're saying her claim, even though it, originally we used to believe her, now we don't believe her because she might be lying. How does that impact the halach of her eating Truma? So we have two opinions. She could eat. Why? Because if not, people are going to say her kids are bad. What does that mean? If she continues to be with her, with her husband and she has children, so people are going to say, wait a second, you didn't like, let her eat truma. Why didn't you let her eat truma? Because maybe she was actually raped, right? And her claim was true. So then what are the kids? The kids aren't calling him. Meaning to say, if you're really saying she can't eat truma, so then you're, you're substantiating her claim. You're saying her claim has credibility. That's why she's not in truma. She's not in truma, then what are the kids? Ah, so because it would taint the kids, therefore we have to allow her to eat truma again. Again, this is all part of a really strong to uproot the law of the Torah. The basic law of the Torah is that she should be believed. The Chacham are saying, no, she can go violate the Torah to protect the better good of society that women won't lie to get out of it. But in that scenario, it's even going further and she can eat truma because if not, it will taint the lineage of her children. People aren't going to say that her kids are tainted. They'll say, you know why she wasn't eating truma? It's because, you know, she had plenty of chulin that was available. It's a tr- privilege to eat truma. That's true. But you can't prove when someone's not eating truma, it's because they're also eating truma. It could just be that um, she had men- a lot of chulin that was available to her. So therefore, it's not going to r- mess up her kids. Amarava, Amodar, Rav Sheshis, Rav Sheshis agrees. Even Rav Sheshis, well, she could eat. If the Kohen was widowed, this wife was widowed, she can no longer eat Truma. Meaning normally a Kohen's wife who has children from the Kohen could continue to eat Truma. But here, once the Kohen dies, it's definitely also for eating Truma. Why? Because really you would have said she can't eat Truma. The whole reason you said she could was because of the lineage of the kids. But the whole thing was that we 
don't want people to say bad things about her kids. That reason only applies while she's married. And this Amri once she's widowed or divorced, Amri Hashinsa, people will say maybe now she was raped. Meaning the whole problem why you have to allow her to eat truma is because if not, people are saying, I don't understand. Why is she, why is she, why is she not eating truma? Must be you're concerned she was raped and that she's also her husband. So then who are the kids? But once she's widowed, now, that, that problem no longer is in effect. Why? People will say, everything with the kids is good. Ah, she's not eating trimmer. The pshat is, now she was raped. Now she's raped. She lost her right to eat trimmer. But the kids that were from before, everything's good. So the, basically, we have an idea here in the Mishnah that originally the halacha is that we believe the woman who said to man, who claimed she was raped, <clears throat> she was raped, was, 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 was ushered to her husband. She was believed, and she got her ksuba because it wasn't her fault. Then we saw a problem in the breakdown of society that women would lie and get out of their husbands by doing that. So we said we can't believe them, and we have to allow her to stay with her husband. The question is, do we go so far to allow her to eat trimmer? That's a dispute. But even according to the opinion that she's allowed to dispute, she's allowed to eat trimmer because otherwise people will cast aspersions on, the, aspersions on the validity of her kids. Once she's widowed, then she can no longer eat the trimmer.